All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Can you see Did you notice? Check, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in at Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, as well as live on YouTube, Monday to Friday, from 1 to about 145, normally 140 with quads, normally about 215 with my co-host here, as he likes to stay late, even though he doesn't get paid for it, which I'm sure I'll be hearing about now that I've mentioned that. Harmon Dial joining me here. My name's Chris Faber. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, live here on YouTube, as well as on podcast. Our producer is Alex Allard who should be mad at me, but he's just such a kind guy. He's not even mad today, even though I screwed up some audio stuff going into this. But we're here Friday, lots to get into, but I also want even more to get into. Harm, you brought this up. You love the YouTube. 
right? You're a yeah. YouTube guy. You fall asleep with it. You wake up in the morning. You're like one of these five-year-olds who's addicted to their phone. YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. And you said... Okay, not when I wake up. Okay. And not falling asleep to it. But yes, in general. You like... Uh, I know what you like. You're a YouTube. You are a learner on YouTube. You like to yeah. learn stuff. I know you love that. That's your, your thing on YouTube there. But you mentioned, let's get the chat going. Right? Yeah. Like, let's, let's chat. get the chat. I see names in here. I see all the time. I can see exactly how many people are watching all this time. And I see a lot of the same people commenting. I see a new one in here uh, as well. But any question in the chat, we want to get to it. So I'm going to keep the chat running. I'm going to try and focus on the chat. We do have some topics to get to. We have some audio. We have some uh, beautiful visuals cooked up by me because I do so much work behind the scenes on this show. Harm, you don't even know. You and Quads do the exact same amount of prep throughout the week for this show. You guys just show up here. You guys are just the talent, which I appreciate. And by the way, I don't know how this, this show is going to go. Day five for me. Actually, I think it's day seven in total. But all throughout the week, no energy drinks this week, Harm. Hell yeah, you don't go. You don't like when I'm drinking the energy drinks. I'm just doing about like five, six, seven cups of tea every, uh, every let's day. Let's go. Which is, it's been good. I like it. I'm a tea guy now. I just like, I like a little honey in there. Mm-hmm. What are you, you're not a big on I drinks. Like you yeah. like water, but like in like general, water. is there any drink that like excites you? Like you're like, oh nice. I get to have a. Like no, no, not like really. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. I mean, I would pick you as a as a diet coke guy. Maybe you know these people are like addicted to diet coke. No, like they have it. No, like maybe down the road you'll evolve into. No, it. no, no. So nothing, just water. You like your smoothies? Oh yeah. Okay, there you go. That's I mean, I don't right. love, I don't love uh, drinking those smoothies, but <laughs> I mean, breakfast shake in the morning. I like drinking that one. It's like the easiest way to get a ton of calories in, it, and it takes me like five minutes to make. Mm. And then uh, a veggie smoothie in the evening because w- with kale and, and all these fruits and vegetables because I otherwise don't eat vegetables. I eat fruits otherwise, right? But that's the only way I'm going to get any type of type of greens in me. So, yeah, I'm all about that uh, health. Do you have a? Is there a rest like? I guess it's not a restaurant, but like these fast food joints that are now like smoothies. Is there one that you like, or are they all just like bad? Because if you make like a basic one, you're here for the greens, dude. Most of them are rip offs. I mm-hmm. swear, because sometimes I'm on the road right. and. I'll go to like a booster juice or something or in Montreal, uh, in Montreal uh, around the time of the draft, there was, there was a place and it's like eight bucks for a smoothie. And I'm like, dude, I make this at home yeah. every day. It's you're this, the, the margins here rip off. So I'd rather just kind of make it on, make it on my own. And that way throw some protein powder in there, blueberries, um, almond milk. Someone told bananas. me that using, like you mentioned almond milk, somebody, it might've been you. Did someone tell me they were using like orange juice as the base liquid? No, no, that's not that's me. Not you. That, somebody that told does not me that. sound good. I couldn't believe it. It was like, they were like, <laughs> yeah, like spinach disgusting. or spinach, blueberries, <laughs> orange juice. And I was like, that is not, uh, no, that's definitely not me. No, that sounds like a, uh, something you would uh, throw up in the morning after a hangover or something. Let's get uh, right into the chat. We got a question in the chat already from prodigy right. 2100. What do you think a potential return for Miller would look like if the Carolina rumors are true? Potential return from Carolina. And I tell you, we've, we think we've both said this in the past. I know that you've said it. Well, we've said, talked about this on the show. Like, moving on from Miller is a rebuilding move. And if the Canucks are seriously looking to rebuild, that's a lot of cap off your books for the future. Right? So I don't even think the return really matters. What you're getting back Agreed. from Carolina. Carolina is interesting because... They've made it clear that they're not going to give up a significant haul for a rental. Mm. They have a lot of cap space this season, obviously, because Max Pacioretty is on LTIR, probably the most of any contender. And they also have a strong prospect pipeline, which means that they can bank on ELC contributors coming up. Not to mention they have a bit of a, a window here where... 
I, I want to pull it up here because I think it's really interesting. Sure. Well, yeah. Even in today's NHL, for it. the the thing to keep in mind is people look at the ages of their core, mm. and they're like, "Oh, most of this core is in the mid twenties or whatever," and so they've got their window is forever, and that's true to a certain extent with some teams. Like people will point at Colorado, but. To win in, in in today's game, you need to have, and I've mentioned this so many times, you need absolute steel contracts with your top players. And so those contracts with your top players, like that's a window in and of itself. Like you look at Colorado winning last year with Nathan McKinnon. Mm. McKinnon at 6.3 or whatever he was making on his last contract is way more valuable of an asset than McKinnon at 12.6. Now, you'd love to have Nathan McKinnon regardless, but it's like when you have all these bills coming up due that's when you have to shed your depth that's why a team like colorado went all in last year at the deadline because they knew that okay yes we have this really talented core but this is a very like tight window and the reason i bring that up is because with carolina they have a number of their top players on pretty like they've got a two or three year window where it's like you got sebastian aho this year next at under eight and a half. Uh, Sveshikov, they're fine with long-term. Uh, Natchez, in, uh, at the end of next season, he's been having a killer breakout year. He's only making $3 million right now. Um, Slavin's got only two seasons left after this one at around 5.3. Um, Shea and Pesci, who've been absolute studs on their second pair, are, are both r- right around the 4 to $5 million range, and both of them are um, going to be UFAs at the end of next season. So they've got a really unique window, and they've said wow, that they yeah. want to add a player with term and you know that they need the elite sort of goal score to, to replace the fact that they don't have enough of that oomph. Now it's interesting because on the, on the one hand I'm like, it's not Carolina Carolina's MO to pay big contracts for guys that are going into their thirties, right? Like they've always shed those guys like last off season. They let Trocek go. They let Niederreiter go. Uh, they've let um, Dougie Hamilton go. So, like, my initial thought was, I don't, I don't see why they would be interested in Miller, but it's when you talk like, about the money, though, it becomes interesting. I yeah, think, which it's is like, and think about where they're at right now. They're number one in the in the Metro right now. Like, they're yeah. a very strong team this season. But the way that you kind of set it up, and even making it comparable to Colorado, is would next year be an all in year for Carolina? Yeah. And if so, adding Miller for this playoff run isn't going to hurt your chances. Yeah, and then you get him next year on the first year of that contract. That's where it starts to have the risk involved because the next contract is there. But if next year's an all in year for this hurricanes team could be a serious option. Like it could be, I think the JT Miller trade talk is kind of, I feel like I've passed it by. Like I haven't really thought about it actually being something possible that could happen. Situations that might present themselves like this do open the door anyways. Like Miller's probably plan B for them though. Mm. If they're considering him at all, right? Because Timo Meyer makes way more sense for them than for JT sure. Miller, right? Because it'll essentially cost you the same amount on his extension, probably a bit more, like instead of eight, maybe like eight and a half or something, but he's only 26 and he's much better in terms of his, like you don't have nearly as many defensive liability concerns. He's a 35, 40 goal scorer. And that's a bit more of a seamless fit under Rod Brindamore system. Um, but yeah, I think my initial thought was like, I was like, I don't know why Carolina would be interested when those reports first came up. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, this is a unique window for them in the next like year or two. And they need an, an elite sort of goal scorer or, or some type of elite offensive threat. Because the reason they've been eliminated in the last two playoffs yeah. is because they haven't scored enough. And the thing JT Miller is going to absolutely bring is 
strong play on the power play. He's yeah. done that his whole time here in Vancouver. And uh, the power play let them down. Exactly. Last spring, and that's, so. that's why it could make sense, but Corey Anderson in the chat here has got another good point. That two-year window that's kind of talked about here with Carolina, Corey says that screams Besser, not Miller. Yeah. Which is another option. That's why, too. like, I've, yeah. On uh, the topic of Besser, I wanted to throw this around just because, like, I've I've tried to think about it quite a bit, and... Like, retaining money on Besser for getting you a return is the right move, I think. Because I still am not in the camp that this team's going to compete. Even if you're holding on to, like, 50% of Besser's contract, like, you have the next two years. But all I'm saying is it doesn't matter. Whatever percentage you are holding it, that money really shouldn't matter. If it's getting you a better asset, you absolutely need to do it and do whatever the team is willing. You know, do whatever you can retain for the team that's willing to make a good return back for Besser. I think it doesn't matter about the money. I don't think it matters how much you're retaining there. I still want, wouldn't want to retain more than a million or a million and a half because if a team's asking me to retain half on Besser, the the most of the reason you want to trade him is because of the cap flexibility. Yeah, the return is sure, part of it, but the return would be. Basically, using cap flexibility. That's sure. where, like, you are weaponizing it's the cap true. space at that point because you you're can, upgrading. You could do that in other ways too. Okay, right? Like you could. that if that same money that you're retaining, you could use that to take on another team's like inefficient like contract. It's the same sort of premise, and so you kind of have to weigh like it would have to be a real premium in terms of the price that a team's paying for. In my opinion, the Canucks to be able to justify retaining half or something. I I'd be, I think I wouldn't mind the idea of. Again, like retaining a million or a million or a one point five, but beyond that, I'm like, if if you want, if I'm in in the Canucks position, I'd be like, you want me to retain two million or more? You're really gonna have to pay a lot for that. I think that's the way I'm looking at it. Is say it's a third round pick and a million retained. Is two million retained enough to make it a second round pick? Is that enough value? A million dollars to upgrade from a third to a second? Because think about it, if it's a good team, you're going from pick 80 to pick 55. Like, that's a pretty good yeah. jump in the draft. Do you pay a million dollars for that for, I guess, over two more years? So, $2 million total? Like, I, I don't think that's a bad deal to move up that many picks. Might not be. I think you'd have to do, like, I'd have to do the comparables on just exactly how much money is worth and look at what other contracts teams are looking to move. Like, uh, for example, it also depends on your timeline, right? Because mm-hmm. there have been uh, reports out there that Ottawa, Ottawa um, is looking to kind of dangle a second-round pick for the Zaitsev contract, which is higher in salary, but it's only until next season. So it's like there's an opportunity cost of like those dollar retentions. I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I, I think you just have to pit it against what are all of your options. What's the goal of... Would you rather take on a like a really high number, like a three to four to five million dollar contract through next season, and mm. and but it's only through next season, or something like Besser, where you're retaining half and it's a more modest amount, like in the two and a half million dollar range, but it stretches two seasons beyond this one, right? So you kind of total have to, money still needs to be looked at, is what you're kind of saying, like yeah, the, and like also like when you like when you think you're going to accelerate, when you think you're going to actually want to use that cap space for yourself, not having it anchor you down, kind of thing, hundred percent. Okay. I don't know. I, I look at it as like if there if there's enough to gain from the extra retaining, it to me it's like a, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? Yeah. Like actually just getting the deal done and weaponizing cap space, which is inter- like I I think it's something we've seen with the Vancouver Canucks. They have not weaponized their cap space. Also, but how easy is it going to be right now in the NHL with how the cap actually is? 
Like if you have cap space, I don't think there's anything more. The valuable other thing, the, the other thing you have to keep in mind is you only have three retention slots, right? So you'd be burning one of yours, and you think about, for example, there are a lot of players like you look at Anthony Beauvillier, right? UFA at the end of next season, he's going to be rental. Why? Like you'd probably want to retain on him an extra's deadline and look to um, uh, move him for for whatever you can, right? An asset. Uh, same sort of thing if you go out and. There are other players, like whether it's a Connor Garland, do you want to re- retain on him? That's actually like, I think the retention slot is what I'm thinking about. Because, for example, with Garland, I, I think his contract is harder to move than Besser's. And if you're going to tie up me, like many years of having one of your one of your three retention slots used, I'd almost want to use that on Garland because that's going to be a harder contract to move. And I'd prefer retaining a bit on him so that you don't have to then buy him out if you're Rutherford and, and Alvin. Um, and then that way, like I'd rather I, I'd be fine with a lesser return on Besser because those same cap dollars can be you can use that to take on an inefficient contract. And then you're not burning up one of your retention slots. Um, uh, another one of them, you know, I, yeah. I went on a spiel. There. I don't I don't. I hope I, I you can, can get what I mean. No, I do. It, it's interesting because I think in the end, if you want to hold on to that retention spot for Garland, it, it's back to the point of you. Look at it as total money, right? In the end, how much total money coming off the books is how I kind of am looking at the situation of, like, the retention spots. Because, yes, the total money between, like, holding Besser for two years compared to one player for one year, there's a difference in how it affects your cap. Because $5 million hitting your cap next year is something that you can use for quite a bit for a return just simply on the market. I just, I don't know. Because it's not like this is... I also think the retention spots I wouldn't worry about too much. I don't think you're going to need. I don't think you're going to be up to three. Like if you're, what if you building, then also want to move Myers in the offseason? Sure, but in, in the like in an actual rebuilding situation, like I'm trying to think, they they don't have any retention on anybody right now. I uh, Horvat, uh, did they retain a bit? Right, on Horvat? so Horvat to finish this season. Yeah, yeah, they did. So that would be the only one I think on the books right now. Either way. Um, Interesting topic, and I think we're going to know a lot more in the next couple weeks here about the Besser situation. Yeah. A couple more uh, in the chat here asking about Ethan Bear. Let's see. Who do we get that from? From Liam and from Billy. Two different questions. Does Ethan Bear re-sign here, and at how much average annual value? Uh, And then Billy asks, could Bear be a trade chip at this deadline? You want to start with the money? You want to just kind of spitball what you think, what I think on uh, on the money here for Ethan Bear on a contract? Because I'm thinking, I've said this in the past, he feels like someone to bet on long term. Like, I think mm-hmm. if you can go four or five years with him at a lower cap hit or, or a cap hit that you feel good about, especially with the cap going up, I would do that with Ethan Bear. He feels like a a new age defenseman on the right side. I don't think he's your top pairing guy down the road, but he works with Quinn Hughes to a decent amount. Their chemistry, I think, is developing over the past few games. I think he can be a solid guy in your bottom four if that's where he ends up landing in a year or two. Like, I, I just don't know how different it would make making it a two-year deal to a four-year deal how different you are with the cap, and if you want to take that gamble. I wouldn't, personally. I like what Ethan Bears brought, but ultimately I think he's a third-pair defenseman on a good team. And a good third-pair D, don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. but if you're building forward and you're trying to envision what you want your blue line to look like when it's good, look, we like Ethan Bears skating. We like his ability to retrieve the puck. I can't count on him enough defensively in terms of some of the reads that he makes. Fair. And and some of the brain fart situations you have, which, I mean, to be fair, you see with most of the defenders on this team, uh, he's a useful guy for sure. He's 
been their second best defenseman since he came here, but that's a really, really low bar. And so to me, I think he's a number five on a good team. And so because of that, I don't, I, I'd look to resign him short term just because I'm like, he can eat minutes and he can sort of, like you said, give some minutes next to Hughes until you maybe find that long term yeah. answer. And be a bit of a stopgap. And he can play in your top four while you're sort of in this whatever project you want to call it. A rebuild, yeah, a retool. A lot of number fives are pinch top four guys. I think that's yeah, where you like can look he's, at him. Yeah, like he's the sort of guy where if there's an injury, you, you want you like totally fine in the top four. If you're rebuilding, totally fine in your top four. But the reason I, I'd be hesitant to commit four years is because let's say by year three or four, you're looking to be competitive again. I guess it would depend on the cap hit, right? Because yeah, that's what, what if thinking. he's like a two point you know, two million guy, for example, just hypothetical number, but on your bottom pair. Mm. Whereas a smart team would probably look at that and go, I may not be able to get a player as good as Ethan Bear on my third pair, but could I get a player as good as Ethan Bear, like who's 80 to 90% of, of his value at like league minimum? Or what if I get a prospect and draft and develop that player? And so then I can use those dollars to allocate out uh, elsewhere. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm just always wary of flexibility, like yeah. flexibility and like committing like committing to guys who are able to play top four roles and top six or at least top nine roles uh, up front on, on when, when your team's actually good. I think the way that I'm looking at it, why a four year deal makes sense to me is it is the position of absolute premium in the league. And if he's your number four and is rounding out your top four. Because like the Canucks are going to have Quinn Hughes at lefty, it's a lot easier to find a lefty that I think you look at as more of kind of the leader of a second pairing. Yeah. Like Bear would just be the attachment on a second pairing. If you're getting a top four player or a guy who's on your second pairing, if you want to call it that, for the next four years, like I think a cap hit is something that you can you can see surplus value if he is playing up to that level. But you're right, if he ends up just being a third pairing guy, it's, it's a very different story, and it's going to be you hope that it's the story you're talking about of the Canucks are actually good. And they have a top four that pushes Ethan Bear out of it. I don't know if that's happening in the next four years. I yeah. mean, I, I really, I think it will. I think they have to improve the defense over the next four years. I just think you could get surplus value in a four-year deal with Bear. If the money's, you're right, like 2.1, I was thinking, to like 2.35-ish area. Yeah. I don't think that's a huge risk. Yeah, I, I disagree. I can see the logic, but I, I, I just feel that he's a third pair defender on a good team. And, and because of that, I'm a little wary. That said, I am still like, I still think that if you can get him resigned at something like 2.1, 2.2 times two, that's something I would do because then you can kind of do what you did with Luke Shen, right? Luke Shen may not be a top four defender on a good team. He right. isn't to be quite, uh, to be quite frank, but the Canucks were able to play him a lot with Quinn Hughes play him in the top four, juice his value. Now he's worth probably, you know, he might be worth the second round pick at the deadline this year. And like, he's probably worth more than the, more on the trade market because of the spot that he's played in. And because of the perception that's been created um, uh, around him, as opposed to just his true sort of just like baseline level of talent and, and ability. And so with bear, the reason I like a two year bet is because you have those two years where you still have that flexibility to where I still don't think there's a long enough sample size to where a team's going to give you a second round pick for Ethan bear right now, for example, yeah. like he hasn't proven enough, right? It was only last season that he was a healthy scratch on the outside looking in, but if you give him two years of rebuilding his value value and he's a number four, five and he's spending time with Quinn Hughes, 
then you're you're giving yourself the flexibility to okay he's also on a shorter term contract which would be easier for teams to take on you open up flexibility to where you can deal him in one or two years or if he's proven it to you that okay maybe he is better than you thought or at least better than i thought then you can you can commit to him and he'd still be relatively 27 young. in a couple he's 25 right now so yeah, yeah. two-year deal i think you might be right with the two-year thing i just think that it if you hit, you're landing on, and the Canucks for me haven't taken enough of these bigger swings. And this isn't even the big, this isn't even the spot where it's a big swing. Like I look at Huglander as an option for that. Uh, Pod Colson's next deal, take the big swing on one of these players, but maybe you want to go more in that direction with one of those two guys in the end, anyways. It's just I think getting a little bit outside of the of the square of how this team has operated would be something to to, to explore. Anyway, the other I thing I'd say is the Canucks should try and make a decision ahead of the deadline in terms of are they going to keep or resign him, mm. right? Because he's got an arbitration. He's got arbitration rights. He's uh, he's played a decent amount of minutes this year, and he's already his QO is already going to be 1.8, 1.8 flat. So he's got a, a, a pretty decent case. So if you're the Canucks, you almost kind of have to treat want to treat him as a, a pending UFA mm. where you either re-sign him before the deadline for a deal that you like or you flip him... I don't know for what uh, third round pick, fourth round pick, yeah, something, which would be higher than what you paid to get him. Hundred yep, percent, sure he's worth more than the fifth round pick they gave him. Uh, yeah, it's they gave up for him. It's, it's nice to just wipe your hands clean with the thing and just like take the the better return in the end. Like the Canucks could get a very easy win out of it. They've got a win it's already. A, it's a win win, right? They've already, yeah, exactly. They've got a win already with what they traded for Ethan Bear. You could double up on that win a little bit and get a little bit more of an improvement. I mean, that, that is a good thing they could do. And it's another outside-the-box thinking there. Uh, I do got to bring up as well, I forgot to mention off the top, brought to you by the great folks at Montana's. And by the way, folks, let uh, get your stuff coming in, in the chat here. We'll try and get to some more stuff here in the chat. We know that people have been home during the pandemic. It's time to bring back the viewing party at Montana's. Head down to Montana's where the game is always on and the daily deals are there to keep you full on Mondays at Montana's is half price wings. Tuesday, kids eat for two dollars. Wednesday, all you can eat ribs. Thursday is the drink specials. And I haven't gotten an email about uh, our gift card because I do believe it's going until five o'clock tonight. Head over to the Instagram account. Um, you can win a hundred dollars, a hundred dollar gift card to Montana's. Check it out. All the information up on our Instagram account right now. You have to like the post, follow Montana's, follow Canucks Army, and then tag your friends in the comment of the pinned post over on Instagram. Before we get back to the chat, I do want to bring up kind of an, an audio clip here from Rick Tockett, uh, talking about the process of this team, because it is on the ticker. Alex wants us to get to the ticker. I know he loves that thing. We'll get back to some some questions here in the chat in just a little bit, but maybe we'll just get the audio up here. I'll make sure uh, I do have Alex's audio up, which I do now. Uh, Alex, maybe we can just hear the Tockett on the process right now, and then we'll just react off of this, because I found this just an incredible quote about where the Canucks are at right now with their season. So... Here is Rick Tockett talking about the process. Well, it's very difficult. I mean, you're, you're on the fly. You know, you're, you're, you know, I know people want results, and I'm worried about the other stuff. You know, the results will come if we do that stuff. You know, you're not going to get – we're not going to win hockey games uh, if we forget about the process. If I'm, you know, you just can't. That's why the other day I had a pretty good practice. Maybe some guys retired last game. Maybe that's why we lost it. I don't know. I don't care. I mean, we have to go through this process, and we have to go through the pain. You know, you, you can't be caught in between. You know, you won't. It'll never win. So, um, we just got to make sure that we just keep chipping away. 
I loved it because if you latched onto the way, the words that he said around process and about losing and about being in the middle, like just an excellent quote. And there was, by the way, a Zamboni going on in the background. There. Apologies <laughs> for that on the audio clip. But this is exactly what you want to hear, right? Is this not yeah. exactly what we want to hear? Tank John- Commander Rick talking. Let's go. <laughs> We'd love to see it. I mean, it's it's the fact that he mentioned we don't want to be caught in between here. We might lose some games because of the process. We might not win all these games. They're Ownership be- needs to hear that message. Exactly. And it's the way that he talked about, like he spoke, we're not going to win playing. Like, like it's about changing the process of this team. It's bang on. I mean, it's, it is things that you love to hear from somebody who's been following this team for years now and, and seeing how things have operated. Yes, the process needs to change. How often do we talk about something like, I always find that if you just have good process in things, and as long as your process is locked in and you have good process, no matter what it be, it can be hockey, it can be life, it can be anything. If you have good process, something decent is going to come out yeah. at the end, or at least the best chance for something decent to come out at the end is going to come when you have good process. And if the Canucks can fix their process or just work on the process of how they're icing NHL players, like that's a huge thing for this Canucks team moving forward. If they're able to just work on the process this season, I would... You know, if the process impl- improves this season and they lose every game of the year, that's an ultimate win, right? Like, if you can improve the process, how you play hockey, how you are a Vancouver Canuck, what teams around the league are saying about you when your team comes in, and they're not saying you're soft, that you're actually now finishing your checks, that you're not spinning off of these players. If you can do all of that, that is the biggest win that the Canucks could have this season. This is also the difference between a coach who has a leash Versus yeah. a coach who is lame duck and know he has to coach for his next job, right? Because you think about the 2021 campaign in the All-Canadian Division where just a disaster year and Travis Green had his expiring contract and he was ultimately renewed, but he felt that he was obviously having to grind out and coach for every win, right? And you could see it in the micro decisions. Young players wouldn't really get much of an opportunity until really, really late. The lineup decisions, he was still riding his, his top guns consistently. It would have been the same thing under Bruce Boudreau, right? And I think that's one of the advantages is Boudreau would have been looking at that and going, I got I to squeeze every win possible because people are looking at the situation, whereas Talkit has the luxury of time and can essentially say, I don't care about the wins, wins and losses right now. All I care is about trying to change the the character and the mindset of this group so that they are more resilient, so that they care about defense, so that they don't have third periods like they did against the Red Wings at home ice where you just give up, you stop playing, yeah. which we saw too often under Boudreaux and, and Travis Green as well, which tells you that it's not a coaching thing because we've seen it, seen it under three head coaches. It's about changing all those things and... Uh, and yeah, I don't think anybody in this market is going to be mad if he, for example, pushes these guys really, really hard in practice on days where normally they may have a day off and they're tired and it uh, it makes it harder for them to win games. Nobody, nobody's going to care about that because it does two things. It like the the primary is that Talkit can change some of these practice habits and get guys to actually understand what it means to be committed to legitimately being dialed in and locked in every single day and and the idea that you you can't ever take your foot off the gas uh, while simultaneously you're putting yourself in a position to um to tank 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, and I mean, on top of the tanking situation with the, the process, we might as well bring up the Thatcher Demko setback as well. Because yeah. from what we heard from Thatcher Demko... Uh, just a couple days ago, that he was looking to back up against the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, we have a tweet here from Irv Kafar talking about uh, the Demko setback. Irv said, sounds like Thatcher Demko suffered a setback and tweaked something in practice on Thursday. I did see some video going around. I think j yeah. might have had it out there. That didn't look like he was like you know limping off the ice, but looked like he was shaking out that right leg. Um, Irv says, Canucks won't know full extent of injury for a few days, so very much doubt just from the report here and what we kind of saw him leaving the ice early. Probably won't see him backing up on Saturday like he was hoping for because Demko said, "Hey, I'll you know aiming to back up on Saturday if there's no setbacks." Yesterday we saw a setback. Yeah, it's too bad because I know for some people it's like, "Oh, great! Like he's he's going to be out longer, which means we're more likely to lose games." And it's like, yeah, that that's a consequence. But for the Canucks, this is your franchise goalie, right? Yeah, Anytime exactly. he's going through. Health issues and there's there's a setback here, especially in the middle of a season where he hasn't been able to find traction. And if this ends up being um, a year that's written off, it creates a lot more uncertainty around him as a player, especially because goaltenders are so fickle, right? There's only a handful that you can count on to be sort of consistently elite year after year. And we've thought that Demko could be that type of rare goalie right. certainly has a talent and ability for it but now it sort of it sort of raises the idea of it, there's just a little bit more more little uncertainty doubt, little it, doubt right? and creep this, like you see it with goaltenders all around right like how volatile they are jacob markstrom was a vesna nominee last season he's been such a liability for the flames this season even you look at igor shesterkin one of the best seasons of the salary cap era from a goaltender last year, nine thirty five save percentage. He's been he's been good. He's been above average, but he hasn't been elite by any means. He's rocking a nine fifteen, and we saw him against the Canucks. He was, he was looking pretty ordinary, right? And this is a player who's who's tabbed as probably the second best goalie in the league right now, behind Andre Vasilevsky. So you see the highs and the lows from goaltenders. I mean, uh, a player like Connor Hellebuck 
uh, last season had a pretty ordinary season. And then now he's sort of back into, all right, he's just top five goaltender. So it creates, you know, hopefully it's, hopefully this is a case where it's only a minor setback and we can see him later, later in the season, provided that of course you're, you're still cautious about uh, bringing him back the, the right way. But yeah, it's, it's, you really feel for him, especially with, um, I'm sure he would have liked a chance to sort of rebuild his confidence and end the season on, uh, on a bit of a higher note for him individually. Yeah. I think it's going to be difficult to see what happens here because you're, you're right. Like for the tank, shutting him down is the best thing. For his future, what is the like? I don't think we, I don't know. I don't know if him really get, like if he's not fully healthy, he shouldn't be playing for sure. And I agree. Sh- and it's not like they're rushing him back. They've given him this extra yeah. time, but now there's been a setback. How many more setbacks do you just say till it's like up? Oh, shut it down. Like the season doesn't matter. So is this setback enough to just say okay, just shut it down? Let's reset everything. Come back next year, and that's when we're worried about our goaltender because yes. This is a full year loss, but it's not like he's in a prime. No, maybe he is. He is in a prime spot of developing as just being a consistent NHL starter day in, day out that you trust. And that's why I agree with you. I think the goaltending, not even market, just the goaltending world is so volatile where it's, you know, it's hard to really understand how the stock is going. It's worse than crypto watching these guys up and down. <laughs> like it's, I, I think the goalie market is, is you know, everyone says goaltending is voodoo. Like it, it feels like that. Oh yeah. With a lot of these goaltenders in this situation and Demko maybe was building something before the injury but it felt like this I don't know I just I look at this whole season I don't think it's bad to just write it off it's not yeah I, I'm just more hoping that it's one of those things where it you know it he, he maybe tweaks something but then the next day you feel better mm, right okay. and you know I, I just hope that it's not one of those injuries where um, you know there is a, a significant setback just for for his sake individually, but I, I I agree with you overall that look, if there's any level of uncertainty, if there's any doubt, these games don't matter. Then absolutely shut him down. Uh, but obviously, I'm hoping that it's optimistic that he feels great really soon, and that you're you know that you know I, you'd still hope that there's a responsible way. Uh, to give him a, a bit of action, but if, sh- if shutting him down for the rest of the season is um, is what it's going to take, then we'll see what happens. We'll see the update because when Rick Tockett was uh, was speaking initially, didn't seem like he was too concerned. But of course, that was right in the aftermath. He probably didn't have a lot of intel on right. the exact scope of the situation. So uh, we'll just have to wait to see um, on an update. And you just hope for his long term future and the Canucks' long term future that it's not something that compromises his. Uh, his future. Yeah, absolutely. And I think shutting him down might maybe the best option for that exact way. Not just the tank, yeah. but for that as well. If you risk if there's any level of risk, yeah. You do it now. Um, another question to the chat. We talked about him a lot yesterday. Do you know anything about the Canucks uh not necessarily the Canucks end, but just Jake Livingstone is the top kind of NCAA right shot defenseman coming out, uh Minnesota Mankato. Do you know anything about the player? Do you think the Canucks is this is a main target for them in the NCAA market? Well, he should be because he's been great in the NCAA. Fits the exact sort of need that the Canucks are looking to fill. And I know from NCAA um, players' situation, the biggest thing that they're usually looking at is, and it sometimes differs from player to player, but typically what they'll do is they'll sit down with their agent and they'll build out a depth chart of like, okay, what what are all the teams that are interested in me? And they'll look at positionally, okay, if I'm a center, 
what's their organizational center situation looking looking like? Uh, what's uh, a team's, in the case of Livingston, is a right shot defenseman. He's going to be looking at every team's right shot defense situation and going, what's the best way for me to sort of be able to crack an NHL lineup? And that's where the Canucks have an advantage because they only have one defenseman signed beyond the season in Tyler Myers. They have such a desperate need for young talent there. They don't have any prospects who are immediately ready to graduate. And it matters a lot, even from like, yes, you also want to make the NHL, but even from a financial perspective, right? Right. You make... Pay off those student loans. Well, yeah. I mean, the difference on a 2A ELC, like when you sign it, is like what you... Let's say it's like like 750, 800, 900,000 versus if you're in the minors, it's 70K. Right. Right? Like that's that's like more than 10 times the salary difference, right? So if I'm like, I can't speak to how he feels about Vancouver necessarily, but if I'm in Livingston's position, I'm trying to find the team with the worst right shot defense situation because that's my ticket into making a a crap load of money compared to what I would make in the AHL Mm -hmm. and then sticking in the NHL and actually getting an opportunity to prove my skills. And that's where the Canucks should theoretically have an advantage. The thing that I heard from an agent uh, recently was the way that a lot of these guys look out. And you mentioned the depth chart. What I've heard is a path. Like they, they show a path for their player, how he would be in the organization. If it goes well, he goes here. If it goes bad, it goes here. And that's kind of the way that I've heard it was kind of mentioned like a path of what it is going into that organization where you start that path what happens if you do good? What happens if you do bad? So that's the kind of the, the situation that I heard anyways uh, about these guys. Corey mentioned, yeah, BC kid, but uh, Livingstone grew up a Flames fan, I believe. So Flames could use his attention as well. Yeah, he's a cresting kid, <laughs> but, <laughs> no. uh, but, uh, but could be a, a Flames prospect moving forward. We'll see. I know there's lots of teams in on him. I'll tell you that. Uh, the other, I want to bring up another name, too, because I heard this name again around the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, NCAA prospect, right shot defenseman. Uh, heard about him twice now that the Canucks are around. Sam Malinsky is a five foot eleven right shot defenseman, captain of Cornell. He's had a really good offensive season. He's also played really well in big games, which is the thing that I've heard. The Canucks were at some of those big games. They had some scouts in, in attendance for those, or at least were aware of it. Uh, I just I think Sam Malinsky is the other name uh, to watch. Right shot guy, five foot eleven. The other thing the Canucks should be trying to sell when they make these pitches is that they've had successful right shot. Uh, college free agents come in mm. and make an NHL impact. Obviously, not all of them have worked out, right? Like we saw Brogan Rafferty, Josh Tevis was a le- lefty. Both of those guys didn't work out, but Rafferty still got some NHL games to sort of prove himself. He still got an opportunity. It's not like he was buried in the minors forever. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, Troy Stetcher worked out. And Chris Tanev, going back all the way to those Mike Gillis years, and neither one of Tanev or Stetcher were necessarily these extremely like high-pedigree guys. Like Both of them were undrafted. Yeah. So that's one thing as an organization where I'd be saying, look at these guys. They made it successfully through Rafferty. He didn't make it, but he still got a few NHL games here or there to prove that uh, you know whether or not he could stick it in, in, in an NHL lineup. That's what I would be selling as well. And that's the other thing we said on the show, which I think is the biggest selling point is basically to add on to what you just said, but it's like, does any other team have a guy named Quinn Hughes who plays as good as he does in the NHL? It's like, hey, you might get a chance to play with this guy. Like, you could very easily get a chance to yeah. play with Quinn Hughes to finish this season, perhaps. Not, not to mention also, you're looking at a player development staff that now includes, well, first of all, the assistant coach is Adam Foote. 
<laughs> like, well, like let's talk about a right shot defenseman that had a great NHL career. Mm-hmm. You still have Sergey Gonchar in a part time uh, consultant role, and he did wonders with um, with some of the defensemen over there in, in Pittsburgh. He has a stellar reputation. Plus, on top of that, you got the Sedins who are part of the player development staff. Like that's like talk about a star studded group of, of of former NHLers to sort of work with. That would really excite me. And so hopefully that can work in the Canucks' favor. Yeah, lots of, at least like a lot of open doors here for these NCAA prospects. I think the Canucks are going to be active. I think Ryan McAllister is the other name to watch too. Forward, uh, Ryan McAllister, 40 points, I think, in 31 games right now in the NCAA. Guy's ripping it up in his first year in the NCAA too, coming out of the A. Uh, Ryan McAllister, forward. Watch that one. Um, all right, let's move on to, um, let's see. I don't want to skip Kuzmenko because we skipped him again yesterday. So we'll just spend a little bit of time here on Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, and his situation with Rick Tockett. I've talked about it a lot this week, so I'm kind of just going to put it on you here, Harm, a little bit. Where do you think Kuzmenko goes from here with Tockett? Because they seem like Tockett really likes that he's coming up and he's approaching him and, and wanting to do video work. It's clear that also Kuzmenko does a lot of things that I'm going to guess Rick Tockett wouldn't have done in his day and age when he was playing. <laughs> so you have to be able to work with the strengths of Andre Kuzmenko. You have him here now extended for two more seasons. He's willing to learn, which is great. It's not like there's a bad relationship there. I, I think that that's something that was kind of being mentioned a lot. He's in the he's in Tockett's doghouse. People are saying, you know, like the relationship's not going well. I don't think that's it. I think they're just working on getting him to be more of a Tockett player, and he's willing to do it. And I think now, specifically with Sergey Gonchar being around, who can help teach you the you know what you're trying to be taught from a coach is one thing. It's probably hard when it's coming in a second language. When Gonchar is speaking your language and telling you what is expected, I think that's a big boost. I know we've mentioned Gonchar and Foot a little bit already. I, I agree. I think they're both very good for the organization that they can be in here. We'll see what happens moving forward. But specifically with Kuzmenko, I think Gonchar is going to be a big help. Yeah, well, overall with Talkit, I'm not too worried about how it's unfolded. I think the key was, I believe it was the Detroit game where it had been maybe three games of Kuzmenko being among uh, the, the forwards with uh, the least ice time at least on five at least at five on five and then in the Detroit game I think he was he ended up being second in five on five ice time right Mm -hmm. that I think was key because it was a sign of okay I've sent you the message I want I I want you to implement some of these things that I'm that I'm trying to teach you in terms of being more consistent with your pocket management not always going for the home run play and in that game the lone goal is scored what, what was the Sheldon Drys one, and it was off of Kuzmenko making a great tip into space, mm. right? That's the sort of play where I'm sure Talkett looks looks at it and goes, "That's like that. That's proof of concept right there that you don't always need to try and make a home run play. That you always don't need that you don't always need to try and like dangle a guy at the offensive blue line. That sometimes a tip into open space when you don't have space to make a play can work out just as well, right? And that led to an assist on that goal, and then. Jesus, the way he played against the Rangers, what a, what a game. Yeah, The spins, the turns. So for him to still have that confidence and then he still he still played some decent minutes against the Rangers, uh, I think it was a positive sign. And from Tockett's side too, like Kuzmenko's going to compromise a little bit in terms of playing a bit more responsibly, but I think Tockett's going to have to compromise a little bit too in terms of his expectations of how a forward should play because Kuzmenko's different. Like he can do things that other players on this roster yeah. can't. And I know, for example, that talk it spoke about when he put Pod Colson on that line with, with Patterson, the idea that he wants someone on Patterson's line who can 
uh, play north south, and he doesn't like play more direct, and he doesn't seem to like the spins and, and turns of the east west oh, play as much. He spins so much. They <laughs> talk it brings it up a but lot. But it's like, yeah, okay, there are moments where Kuzmenko can dial it down a little bit, but like, don't take away his creativity sure. either, right? Like, there's there are things he can do where it's like, for example. When you bring up this idea that you want Patterson playing north-south, and I agree to a certain extent that that can work, but the east-west has also worked with Kuzmenko on that line. So uh, I think Talkett should have an open mind too, and I think he I think he will. And I'm at least glad that in the last couple of games he's found traction because that, that I think has been um, what's quelled at least any of the minor concern that I had. I think it's like you want to let Kuzmenko cook. Like you want to let him cook. But you like Talkit needs to make him cook something else almost. Like you want to just let him be able to do these things, but just do it a little bit more into the system and how you want to see it playing. And then, and then I think he's going to be rewarded from that. If we saw power play one time last game, we saw him play with Pedersen a little bit last game. Like all those things will come, and that's going to help him even better. So if he does make that more about the process, the way that we've kind of heard Talkit talk about it already. If it's about the process with Kuzmenko, at least he's willing to commit to the process. The fact that he came, you know, came out and told us yesterday that like, you know, Kuzi's coming up to me and saying like, I want video, I want video. It's like, great. And like, it's not like he's pushing back at all. And I think that was kind of the thought process it felt like last week of like, oh, like, you know, talk, it doesn't like Kuzmenko, all this stuff. It's like, no, like, I think he likes him. He really likes the kid. He just doesn't love the way that he plays. Like, and that that's fine. Like you can change things. That's a fine thing to have between a player and a coach. And I think we're going to see some changes. For sure. And and it is such a tough balancing act, right? Because mm. there absolutely are details in terms of... Like, one of the things in defensive zone coverage that I've noticed is that, at least going earlier in, into the season, that I kind of just forgot about because it's... Like, you don't notice it unless you really look out for it, is a lot of times it'll just be stationary. Yeah. doesn't really move, doesn't really close on guys, and it doesn't le- immediately lead to a breakdown. So that's why you kind of, like... Don't really notice it, but those are the small things that, on a winning team, like when you when you talk about when this team's actually going to be good again and raising the standard, those are the little things that a coach will want to expect from everybody. And it can't just be a, a situation where it's like nine guys are buying in. Like you need, or nine forwards are buying in. You need all of them to be part of that process. And I think that's uh, that's a mindset that you know Talkit probably has. But on the other hand. Like nobody wants him to sort of be a dump and chase player either. So um, we'll see. It's going to be one of the one of the more fascinating things to to monitor moving forward. Yeah, lots of stuff to get into in the final bits of the season. Hey, wrapping it up, I put it in the ticker. Good vibes. Feel like we had you know good positive vibes today is what I want. Yeah, I, I was I put it in the ticker just in case things went south. There's our photo right there. Look at that. I just think good positive vibes. We we overcame the the orange juice and the smoothie thing. Yeah, got past that early on. Answer some some questions in the chat. An overall good show. Um, so we'll wrap it up at that point. Fridays with Harm brought to you by the great folks over at Zephyr Epic. The folks out there, they're great. Put out a video on the Canucks Convo account, kind of showing off the store a little bit. We love them over there. Promo code Hockey Season, all one word, capital H, capital S, Hockey Season. That'll get you fifteen percent off, or sorry, five dollars off your order, and free shipping on everything over $50 Canada-wide from Calgary to what's another one with a C? Charlotte. Charlottetown. There we go. From Calgary to Charlottetown. 
I just said Charlotte. Nah, don't worry about uh, it. I couldn't figure enough. it out. I was trying to go out east too. So that's my geography is not good. No, nah, not mine. Not either. Uh, I, all I learned it from I used to prepare for the Zephyr Epic reads with great folks over there. Check them out. ZephyrEpic.com. Z e p h y r epic dot com and use our promo code Hockey Season. Got to use that. Harmony plans for the weekend. Uh, tomorrow after the game, probably gonna go out with some friends. Jeez, after the game. Well, yeah, they're wow, you're so like, young. friends are back in town. Yeah. I'm like, uh, like I wanted to meet up today oh. on Friday, but it just didn't work out with the flights. And so, so how do you balance a going out fit with a, I got to dress to a Canucks game fit? Like, cause you want it, you're not going to be suited up when you're going out yeah, with your friends, well, are I you? just wear, I just wear uh, like one of the dress shirts and then, uh, an overcoat. You like your overcoats. Yeah. Like it still looks like very like uh business casual. So what? it like, probably looks too formal for, I haven't seen you in out, the, but... uh, in the leopard print coat in a long time either. That yeah, thing, that thing was I, that, that's very aggressive. look only. It was that's very aggressive. I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to wear that tomorrow. Okay. I've been getting aggressive with the looks lately. Like doing the turtleneck and chain was one it's thing. Fun. I did a bow tie late last oh, week yeah. as well. Went with that pink bow tie there. Yeah, I'm, I've been getting a little bit aggressive. You got to keep something up. I don't wear full suits to games anymore. No, it, like I just found that they like they're co- like I get cold. Oh, okay. So I I like to sometimes I like to just like put a a nice black uh, sweater on and then put the uh, put the trench coat on. It's a nice trench coat, uh, dress pants, dress shoes, and I'm like, this is formal enough. No, I agree. I've been mixing up. Like, the other day, I just wore like. A I'm mess. in love with trench coats. I have too many. Yeah, how many? How many you got? I got three. Three. Okay, I got three. I, and I'm looking to add. I, I just mm-hmm. haven't been able to add because I'm like I'm trying to gain weight. You know what I want? I want a gray one. I, I feel like a, like a, a light gray yeah. one kind of thing. Yeah, I don't see anybody with that. There, there are a lot of colors I want. Yeah, the dark true. maroon. Yeah, that's a good look. Maroon is is a hot look. Anyways. Let's get to Betway. <laughs> Our Betway bets of the day. Let's get it going here. We got some uh, some good ones today. No Canucks game, obviously, tonight. Uh, tomorrow, they will face off against the Philadelphia Flyers. But tonight, we rocked with the LA Kings and the Anaheim Ducks. We got Kevin Fiala and Mason McTavish both to put up a point in this game. Plus 200 are the odds on that. A $10 bet can return you 30 Then you get that 30 You start saving up for your trench coat. Uh, second bet of the day, LA Kings to win the game and Kevin Fiala to score two or more points in this game. So we're heavy on Fiala here on our Betway bets. A $10 bet's going to return you $37.50 on the Kings winning this game against the Ducks and Fiala putting up two points for the Kings in that one. That wraps it up for our Betway bets of the day and also wraps it up for our show here as well. Alex, another great week behind uh, the board there. Appreciate you. Harm, good stuff on Friday. Wish you the best on the weekend. I'll be at the game. Uh, on Saturday in the stands, my first game in the stands this season. Oh, let's go. I think my first game in the stands this season. Um, So I'm excited for that. Uh, My fiance's dad's in town. He's a big Flyers fan. So you'll see me sitting with a guy in a Flyers jersey. There you go. You should cheer for the Flyers. Team Tank. Yeah. No, I, Let's I, go. I, this I is actually, this is, this is a big one. This yeah, is a big one. It's it's a big one for this one. And then I think, what is it, three games against the Ducks in the remainder of the season? So another big, uh, some Ooh. big games coming up. Man, those head-to-head see. games are like huge. Massive. You talk about it like when you're talking about a four-point <laughs> game in like the top of the standings. It's one thing, right? But when you talk yeah. about the bottom, it's almost it feels more... Like a point matters the more. Ducks, because initially I was looking at it and I was going, the Ducks are like six points back at the Canucks. I'm like, oh, that's like too much ground for them to make up. But with these head-to-head three games, games, three games, not to mention now, like you don't even know about the status of Demco. Right. Like, I don't want to get my hopes up too high. And damn it, San Jose lost again last night. There were it's, one point back at the Canucks. Ah. Uh. This this is going to be an, this this is going to be such an exciting race. Yeah, I think uh, the Canucks just need to 
Keep trucking along. Don't let anything phase just, you. Just, just keep, keep tanking keep along. Keep bag skating them. Like, yeah. <laughs> like talk has got the right idea. You keep should practice them every day for yeah. like two hours. Bring back the morning skates, but only it's just bag skates for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Like, that's what you have for your morning skate. Oh, they would tune him out probably <laughs> pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Uh, word of the day today. Oh, yeah. Let's see it. Run it. Uh, run it. Hit a reset here, Alex. Let's get one. I'll, I'll talk my way through it. All right. We got a reset. Let's run the draft lottery simulator. One time heading into the weekend. Come on, Alex. Give us some good vibes. Canucks stay at five. I'll take it. That's Honestly, fine. Not bad. <laughs> I will take it. All right. We'll rock into the weekend on that. Good stuff, Alex. Um, word of the day today. I snuck it in there right at the very end because I forgot about it because it was such an easy word. This is the easiest word. I don't think I've had a four-letter word for a word of the day before, but I snuck it in at the end there. Phase. Come on. Word of the days. They're, get, they're getting sloppy. It's only February still. I already know that word. That's not a word I'm learning. Uh, some good stuff on the weekend here. All right. Harm. Thank you for coming here. Everybody in the chat, thank you for coming, joining the show throughout the week. It's been a blast of a week. We are going to take Monday off for the holiday. Also, I'll be out in Abbotsford at 2 o'clock. Uh, so I got to leave here at like 1, well, definitely much before 1 o'clock. So no show on Monday next week. We'll be back Tuesday to Friday. Harm, you're in on Wednesday yeah. next week. Uh, no quads on Wednesday. You're going to be here on Wednesday, so that's good. We'll wrap quads up the week. Quads taking midweek days off now, too. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what's happening here because quads is getting his puppy. Oh, very soon. Okay, here. Valid, I don't think reason, it's. I think it's reason. like a couple weeks away here. So we're no more live show in person. He's gonna uh, have he to might stay be, home. He, for he, it. Might, he might need more days off with taking care of a puppy. I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, here comes Muddy Bag Harms. <laughs> you know, appearance fees here. Yeah, you want to be here more often. We'll see what happens. But uh, appreciate you. Appreciate everyone in the chat. Everybody listening on podcast. Thank you very much. We're gonna take Monday off. Like I said, we'll be back next week, Tuesday to Friday. Oh, my hear Alex pump something on. You got something, Alex? Yeah, just go subscribe to your yes, YouTube here. Like that's Max right. Army. Forgot about it. YouTube, we're at four, we passed uh, 400 subscribers, uh, and I saw you said smash a like on the video if you're still watching here. I see 29 people. There should be 29 likes. I see all 29 of you there. Like the video. I want to see it pop up live here as we're going. Uh, but yeah, be be sure to uh, subscribe to the Canucks Army. Uh, even if you're just a podcast listener, if you're just a podcast listener, we're going to have a lot of clips, a lot of shorts, a lot of stuff up there on YouTube, so you can kind of enjoy it. I know we're going to work on getting some of the uh, prospect updates and the highlight situations. Those are all going to be up there, uh, so you'll be able to kind of watch the the video, the stuff that doesn't show so well in the podcast. And I feel sorry that uh, that the podcast listeners have to go through that, but. Uh, just, you know, the fact that you can hop over here onto this YouTube channel, it's at Canucks underscore army. You'll see it there. All of our videos are going to be posted there. And as soon as we keep moving a little bit here, we'll actually have the live show brought over there. We just, we have not hit our goals that the, that the company asked for us up to this point of uh, growing that channel. So we need to do a better job pumping this thing. Uh, head over to it. The link's in the description of this YouTube video. Uh, and if you're listening on podcast, just head over there and throw a subscribe if you get a chance. It's on YouTube. Uh, Canucks underscore army is the name of the account and it'll pop right up. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much, everyone, for a great week. Uh, went into a little bit of overtime here. I see Harm's already got his money in his eyes here, uh, claiming some overtime. That wraps it up here for Harm and Dial. My name's Chris Faber and Alex Allard. Thank you for putting the show together and everybody out there listening to the Canucks conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?